Lori Fitz, your host. And the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking, get us feeling, get us imagining, and get us talking. Perhaps also inspired, challenged to go out and do something or contemplate a new idea in a new way. So today, we're going to have an interesting conversation. I'm very much looking forward to it. We're going to be talking about religion. Now, sometimes liberals get a little uncomfortable with the idea of talking about religion. Um, sometimes it feels like conservatives have sort of taken the um, ibby-dibby on God and, um, and make it feel like conservatives are the only ones that really can talk about God and that liberals are often contrasted as either godless or the furthest part of the right wing sometimes can even create an antichrist or Satanist uh, view of, of the liberal uh, spirituality. Michelle Bachman had an interesting comment about a year ago, considering liberals are letting the Antichrist come to power. And the whole notion of the one world was really the foreshadowing of the, um, the demise of the world that we live in. Well, I want to advocate that we can still talk about God, that we can explore God, and that we have ideas about God. And even though we sometimes may feel uncomfortable talking about our spirituality and religion, um, there's room for discussion about liberal theology. So I'm very excited to have Dr. Paul Green, who is a liberal theologist, author, and teacher, who is joining me because he has written a fascinating book, The End of Divine Truthiness, Love, Power, and God. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me here. I I feel like I've arrived at my mother's ship. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mecca. I yes. love AM950. <laughs> so thanks for inviting me. I'm well, looking forward to it too. You know, there's a great story about how we did get connected, which I think is a great uh, tribute to connections as sort of a concept. Um, about three or four months ago, we were doing a show um, – and we had the victims, the Center for Victims of Torture, and we had uh, the theater group uh, Park Square uh, talking about uh, Uganda. And there you were, sick at home, listening to your beloved AM950. I had I had you to keep me company, <laughs> is what it was. And it was this beautiful moment where I was perfectly available to call in at the moment that the call-in was required to win the tickets. Exactly. So then I hear back uh, from the executive director. He goes, I'm so glad that this guy got the tickets. He's home, sick in bed, and he's never been to Park Square. That's great. We love having that opportunity to have folks get to know our new Park, uh, our park Square Theater. And I needed to know about Park Square Theater. Anyway, so it, that's, why, that's why you do what you do. Well, there, the, so it doesn't stop there. So you, of course not. You went to see the show and you enjoyed the show. The show is all about power and love and God and God's um, – how religion impacts Uganda. So it was a, a powerful piece. And so I thought, well, that's great. I hope the guy liked it. Don't know who he is. Don't know his name. But great because it was all given over to Park Square. Well, then lo and behold, I'm at the Blue State Ball – and you come up and go, oh, I got tickets to the Park Square. I went, oh, you're the guy who was sick at home. And I thought, well, my entire identity is not my sickness at home. But yeah, I, and it seemed impossible. I thought I'll never meet, I'll meet, never meet Lori. Exactly. Then we we started talking about what you do and um, where you teach, and that you have a book. And I was intrigued with your book. And. I, actually, I mean, even before we talked about my book, we were we were trying to make other connections. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm I'm thrilled that you're here today. So, getting to the point of what truthiness is. Now, I've heard truthiness from our friend Stephen Colbert um, when he talks about truthiness. Uh, there, there's a definition that you've used to kind of look at what you do with your book. But before I, um, we go there, I just want to give the audience a little bit more background on you. You love interreligious theologies. You are into the philosophy of organism, liberation ethics, 
social justice, Buddhisms, Christianities, monastic spiritualities. And after years of teaching religion and theology on high school and college campuses across Twin Cities, you're now a full-time assistant professor of theology at St. Kate's in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I also want to mention that you do love sunsets and twilights over Minnesota lakes, and that makes your heart sing. Yes, and I promise I won't sing. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, so my you know, the book, The End of Divine Truthiness, is is a uh, it's not only a christian theology it also it also is a dialogue along with taoism and buddhism trying to see our way to a more generous more loving uh, approach to ultimate reality to god right one of the things that struck me when i went to your website before i even started to read your book um was this quote too many theologies cast god either as the tyrant whose loveless power lifts up the mighty or the victim whose powerless love sends the poor away empty. Sort of a scary storyline of God. Well, there's, there's a long history of sort of God being in the hands of people who are misusing the very idea of God to promote their own power. Um, and then we see real impacts of that in, in real human life. It kind of, if, if, if it only stayed in people's minds, it wouldn't matter. But mm -hmm. it really, it winds up creating victims. It winds up... Um, well, over the centuries, you see so many wars being fought for God. And either you're on God's side or you're not, or you have two different versions of God. And if you're not part of the tribe that wins, then your God doesn't exist. Yeah, it sure seems like I can imagine God protesting a bit mm -hmm. about how God is used and abused in mm -hmm. that way. And in his name or – oh, I get it again. I get – I – the idea of God being male is something I want to get to later. <laughs> yes. Because I think that impacts our uh, woman's sense of power. If if a woman keeps referring to God as male, what about her own power? What about her own sense of um, ab abilities to be courageous and heroic? Or are we always supposed to be the helpmate? It has a way of disconnecting people from their potential. Right. Right? It has a way of just sort of making it the assumption that a, a woman might not have the same degree of possibilities in her life, which is outrageous. I mean, we should be offended by that. And, we, and, and some of us are. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Me too. We were laughing earlier uh, the other day when we were talking about this is that, you know, I, I've had an uncomfortable time thinking that I'm basically a leftover. I am a rib. I am a takeout, you know, essentially. And, and a rib that um, was created to be a helpmate just doesn't fit my perception of my abilities and my um, potential. There are so many really bright, amazing Christian feminists who have written about exactly this. There's this way in which that story almost turns Adam into the mother of Eve. Right. I mean, what, what, like, what does that do when we're saying, as many religious traditions have, that the, the principal place for a woman is to be mother – but in the in this originating story, it, that that role is even taken. Yeah, yeah, we're some sort of drafted from the DNA of the rib. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but oh boy, you know, I think something most lots of folks don't maybe even realize is that there's really in, in we're and we're talking about the the Christian and Jewish scriptures, and we're talking about the book of Genesis, mm -hmm. the the first book, and there's the two really distinct stories of how creation happens. And the first one you come across is that six-day story, mm -hmm. and the seventh day is rest, and everything is good, 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 good until you get to people. And right. people are created at the very end, and they're created very good, right? So it's this crescendo through creation that gets us to the best in its people. Uh -huh. It created in the image and likeness of God, right? And then the next story is just sort of soldered on to the uh, 
the, that first one, and it's an older story. And in that story, people are first, uh, a person is first, and then the, the second person is somehow regarded as less. And that just sort of goes against the whole crescendo idea of we keep getting better and better. Like you, <laughs> you have to pick a logic. Yeah. Either last is best or last is worst. You can't have it both ways. Right. That's what I think. I, right. So, <laughs> so it, it gives me great hope that as we explore liberal theology and that there can be a place for God in liberalism, an idea of what we – imagine God to be and not um, displace it with just assuming that there is no God, but what can there be as a God? And I, I, I'm looking forward to exploring that with you, Paul. This, if, if we know anything about the world, mm -hmm. we see that it is in progress. It is in motion. It's on its way somewhere. So if God is the source of a world that's on the move, that's that's growing and becoming and in every moment, if that's the kind of world God made, well, maybe it's a reflection in some way of who God is. Maybe God is on the move and on the way and 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 and, and progressive. I mean, Can I say that? Uh, yes, you may say that. This is a progressive radio station, <laughs> so I'm delighted that you say that. We're going to be talking about what the definition of truthiness, okay. and then after that we'll be talking about interrelatedness, which I believe is very progressive as well. So stay tuned. This is going to be a fascinating conversation. I'm glad you joined us here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. The Spring St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, will be running April 27th, 28th, and 29th. This is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you'll have the chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries, hosting over 350 artists. Up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 34 locations. Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for you to own. When you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community with free transit passes. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the Art Crawl. Be sure to get details at thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. That's thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us. By opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests, we'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Connections Radio Show wants to feature your favorite nonprofits as well as the arts that mean the most to you. Do you have a nonprofit you care about or an artist that you'd like to have featured on Connections Radio Show? We have very reasonable advertising and sponsorship packages that would provide for an on air segment or perhaps a whole show. Interested? I'm Lori Fitz, and contact me at fitzradio at gmail.com. That's F-I-T-Z radio at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Hello, AM 950 listeners. I am Tabitha Montgomery, Executive Director of Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association, taking a moment to extend a very warm invitation to our first annual Powderhorn Shark Tank competition, where our stellar panel of jurors have already selected several dozen amazing ideas from local makers, hustlers, and entrepreneurs from across Minneapolis. So mark your calendars for Saturday, May 19th, between 2.30 p.m. and 6 p.m. at Powderhorn Park Recreation Center, where you can join the fun and cast your vote for your favorite ideas across our expanding, emerging, and startup categories. You can also plan to enjoy the Shark Tank Marketplace, which will be stocked with many local businesses and also connect with a dozen or so business resources in our speed coaching zone if you're also working on your own big idea. See you on Saturday, May 19th. 
Michelle. This is Laurie Fitz, your host. And today we're talking about God. What's your idea of God? Um, what, what are ways that a liberal philosophy can embrace thinking about God? We have a liberal theologian here today, Dr. Paul Joseph Green. He is an author, a teacher, a theologian, and he has written a book called The End of Divine Truthiness, Love, Power, and God. Um, and one of the things I'm, I'm really interested in is Colbert's notion of truthiness that you use and exposing the confounding tangle of our American politics, um, Colbert uses the term truthiness. Tell me what you think about when you hear heard that word truthiness and how you believe that was a great application to our um, vision of religion and God. Well, Colbert, had, he's, he's, he's leveraging satire. He's leveraging laughter to help us get through the most difficult stuff. And, you know, I do, I do religion and theology mm -hmm. as my everyday existence. And so usually the folks I, I am talking to about this stuff are the, the difficult stuff they're wrestling with is about religion and God. And, and the certainty. I think that's something that, oh. that Colbert does so well is that don't tell me the facts. This is what my gut tells me. So I'm going to go with my gut. And it's going to be more important what my gut tells me than what facts are. Yeah, Amy, he, yeah, he, he, he jokes that uh, he apparently means for it to be serious by his character. Right. That, there, that the people who like facts in books are factinistas. Yes, you know, he, a factinista is just great. <laughs> but uh, when I looked at this, I thought, there's this there's something dehumanizing about being required to only think and or only feel. So he says, yes, I, you know it with your gut and you can it doesn't matter what the facts are. Right. And very prescriptive um, and judgmental of anyone that doesn't have the same opinion. Yes. and and then I, I, I began to think that I, that there's this liberal or progressive, um, mirror image to that gut image, that that gut feeling first, it, which is all you know, just the facts, ma'am. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, don't, I don't, who cares what it feels like? But I don't think people are built that way. Right. I mean, you, we, what we think with our hearts and we think with our heads. There's a quote that I have of yours. We have been fed a steady diet of truthy ideas about God's love and God's power. It's time to set aside these examples of divine truthiness to make room for a wholesome and more powerful sense of what love is. Um, power without oh, – this is a, a quote from Martin Luther King that you have also used in your book. Power without love is reckless and abusive, and love without power is sentimental and anemic. Tell me about why that part of the quote means so much to you. As I am always having these conversations about theology, people's actual theology, whether they have said it out loud or not, comes out in how they just reflexively talk about this. Mm -hmm. um, and... It, it turns out that a lot of people have a, an idea of God as very terrifyingly powerful mm -hmm. and, you know, a God that's in absolute control. And th this becomes terrifying when um, horrible things happen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've been paying attention. Mm -hmm. I think you have. Mm -hmm. Horrible things happen all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we saying about... God, if God is the author of all those terrible things, and insert your worst idea into this sentence somewhere, um, then what do we mean to say God is love? Mm -hmm. What do you mean by the word love? Something that, that strikes me um, in terms of you know, looking at what is your vision of God. I, I shared a story when I was a kid with you when we were talking about this, um, that I 
very active in my church, went to my Sunday school, to vacation Bible school. And I went to one vacation Bible school where I was told that, you know, God is, when we die, we're going to have this beautiful place to go to with pearly gates and gold streets and in this, you know, amazing mansion. But the problem is, is that it's great, except if you walk down the street, you'll hit a hole and you'll see all your friends burning up in, in, in hell. And they'll be, you know, shouting out to you, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me about Jesus? So that kind of put a little uh, uh, challenge to my view of heaven yeah. is if heaven was, as we were saying, some sort of real estate that we achieve. <laughs> Um, but uh, there are others that don't and, and that we have this obligation to make sure everybody knows about Jesus or else they're going to be burning in hell. That's a terrifying view of God, a terrifying view to have children be thinking about God. And I think that's why atheists you know, look at this and go, that's just really unhealthy. And, and you've told me that you like our atheist show, which I think is great. I love atheist talk. Because <laughs> it talks about God, at it's least. It's like the only play time we get to talk about God on AM 950, right? And you agree that, that that sort of version of a terrifying God is not healthy. Well, I mean, and even it, it calls into question, what do you mean by heaven? Mm -hmm. Because it sounds a little bit like hell to me right. to be forced to witness people I love suffering. Right. Like, I, I can't think of a worse... And, and not to be able to be with them, to co to comfort them, it, being that separated out. I mean, it, so that, it sounds like hell to me. Right. And the fear of the responsibility then to make sure that you tell all your friends or else something terrible happens. But then also you're trying to recruit them into your club. You've got to be this club. This is the sure way to get to heaven and that there is only one way to get to heaven. So the thing that's so alluring about that one way is that it feels really good if you're in, yeah. right? Who doesn't want to belong? Who doesn't want to be on the ends? No one wants to be on the out. No, I mean, even if it isn't literal hell, like you don't want to be separated from the thing you value. And it influences us in social – the impact, like we've talked about, the impact, it socializes us to believe that there is an other to be afraid of. There is an other that if you're not with us, you're against us. And if there is an other, um, there's a pity, but there's not really a connectedness uh, that that person's not part of the club. And if, if, we, if we know anything about the world by looking at the world, it's that – the only thing we're not is disconnected. The only thing we're not is uh, 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 the absolutely solitary individuals floating in non-entity. Mm -hmm. That was the weirdest thing I ever said. <laughs> I don't know what that but means. It's now on Radio Airways. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> but we are even connected right now with how many thousands of people that um, are listening in. That, that's a connection. That, that, we are not – Singular, isolated, living on an island, um, we are part of something bigger. Yeah, with apologies to Paul Simon, yeah. who says he's a rock, right? right, right. He's an island, but <laughs> not really. Well, in our next segment, we're coming up at the end of the segment, we're going to talk more about interrelatedness. Um, just how we are doing this radio show is sort of an example of interrelatedness, the journey to come together and talk about ideas. So stay with us. Uh, we'll be right back after a few commercials. We'll be looking for you. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us. By opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests, we'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Now through September 1st at the Museum of Russian Art is an exhibition of Minneapolis-based painter Leon Husha. The Art of Leon Husha Balancing Act showcases more than 50 pieces from 29 different collectors in the largest show ever of his bold and colorful work. A hometown favorite, the energy of Leon's playful art spans sculptures, paintings, and non-traditional media. See for yourself today and bring home a signed print or exhibition catalog from the museum store. For details, visit tmora.org. 
Hello, AM950 listeners. I am Tabitha Montgomery, Executive Director at Powderhorn Park Neighborhood Association, where we believe in connecting, informing, inspiring, and advocating for community. One of the ways that we are doing that is with our first annual Powderhorn Shark Tank Small Business and Big Ideas Competition for local makers, hustlers, and entrepreneurs throughout Minneapolis. Don't miss your chance to submit your application online at ppna.org backslash Powderhorn Shark Tank. Again, that's ppna.org backslash Powderhorn Shark Tank. Applications will close at 12 a.m. on March 11th. Don't miss your chance. And be sure to mark your calendars for the actual Powderhorn Shark Tank event on Saturday, May 19th from 2.30 p.m. to 6 p.m. at the Powderhorn Park Recreation Center. See you there. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood or an earthquake is destroying buildings. When a tornado is tearing through town or a hurricane strikes. Or is the best time perhaps today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. And it's not always as simple as using your cell phone. That's why now is the time to take action. Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for sunny skies today with a high near 57, tonight clear with a low around 36, Sunday sunny with a high around 69, and Monday partly sunny with a high around 81. Specializing in Szechuan and Peking dishes, the Great Wall Restaurant has been providing a delicious taste experience of authentic Chinese cuisine since 1981. And they have takeout available, too. The Great Wall Restaurant's located just north of 50th in France. Details at eatlocalminnesota.com. Love, Power, and God. That's a book that's been um, written by Dr. Paul Joseph Green, who is a teacher, a author, a professor at St. Kate's, uh, and has some wonderful ideas with a liberal theology of love. And in this segment, I want us to talk about love. What does your kind of definition of love mean? And then maybe we even touch on the question that always comes up, well, if God is love, why do bad things happen? And how do we explore what we perceive as bad things and and be able to still look at, at love being something that brings us together? So, Dr. Green. Yes. How do you see love? How do you see God as love? So I, my beginning point to think about love is to, to ask the question, what about relationship and what is what is that we know about relationship you know and that the thing we if if there's anything that approaches a universal wisdom across uh religions and philosophies and um um uh, theological ways uh, poets and artists and, and, and literature it's that there's no such thing as a disconnected anything. That all of the, the, these major ways of thinking come to the conclusion that we are members of one another. That there's no such thing as me all by myself. Uh, which is, it sounds like a very liberal idea that I am not just in it for me. It's hard to imagine a liberal coming to the conclusion, well, I got mine, you get yours, (laughs) right? And you you speak of that, um, God wills the interdependence of creatures, the sun and the moon, the cedar and the little flower, the eagle and the sparrow, the spectacle of their countless diversities and inequalities tells us that no creature is self-sufficient. Creatures exist only in dependence 
on each other, to complete each other in the service of each other. If only I had written that. <laughs> that is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, friends. Isn't that interesting? I mean, this, this is... This is the sort of thing that can open our eyes to how reality really works. Um, in the connection, into the interrelatedness, in not looking at time sequencing, but what makes it. There is a, uh, an article that I read recently about living longer. And the one thing that they saw that was the most important in living longer was the daily connections. If you've made daily connections, if you talk to the person that's giving you your, your coffee after you've ordered it, if you talk to the uh, male person who's delivering your mail, it's those daily connections that actually increase longevity in this long-term study that they did. So this is the perfect opportunity for me to talk about my doctoral dissertation. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. <laughs> so I, I, there I tried to talk about how love is what composes reality. And what does that mean? I, you know, time and space right. and power are, are like the main ideas when you're talking about cosmology. And when I started to do my research and go through my project here, what I discovered is that there's this way of thinking about time that is, it's very relational. It is, it's a way of thinking of how the past has to give itself to the present and the present has what it has, but then it has to hand it off mm -hmm. to the future. This is a, a receiving and a giving, a receiving and a giving. And I thought human beings can kind of make that more intense, make it better by gratefully receiving and generously giving. And that's part of the love? Yes. And so there's this temporal dimension of love. Uh, we can also make it worse. We can, we can, you know, withhold and retain right. and be greedy. And so, we're, I mean, I'm not trying to say we're always right. all that. And, and that's part of what I want to also explore for when we're looking at connections, sometimes we're connected in ways that are not are not what I would consider love. <laughs> right. and, and I do think things like greed, I've always thought that greed is probably the greatest sin because that's what really separates us from each other and, and, and wants something more from someone and less. Um, so how do, how do we look at bad things that happen? How do we, if, if, we're, if we can be connected with love, we have evidence that we don't always connect in love. We have terrible things happen. There's Sandy Hook where children get killed. That, that's not love. So, boy, the, the, all the promise mm -hmm. of what it means to be human and what it, what it means to have the, the real experience of love, that comes with the, the rise of risk. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, I would like to say risk and promise rise together and they fall together. I mean, there's not much promise for a piece of granite. I mean, it might look lovely mm -hmm. in my kitchen, mm -hmm. but there's not much real promise for this l lump compared to my new nephew. Mm -hmm. Like the, But there's also great risk that comes with that. And you just can't have one without the other. Um, and I, I think it, it's the, the dynamic of loving has to account for the possibility that it won't be reciprocated, it won't be mutual. It, or that, losing. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, the, uh, oh, the other sort of side of love uh, that's written into the universe, I think, is space. And I, I look at space as created relationally by the connections of the creatures, all the beings. And I say that there is some space for the sacred individuality of one, but there's, but also in communion with everything else. And that, that there's, there's this distinctness and there's the union. Mm -hmm. And it's this constant tension. If you go in one direction or the other, if, if you don't make room for another individual, it, th this is the breaking of bonds. Um, so I, in human terms, I, ta I call this uh, the sacred solitude of the individual and 
but that can only happen in solidarity with others. Which it seems like it's almost a paradox that how do you how do you celebrate your solidarity and your individuality at the same time? You cannot have individuality unless you are in union with others. Because I mean, I guess this is a liberal idea that I I don't make everything that I call me. Mm-hmm. I make almost none of it. Like even I mean, we're having hopefully very what what is seems like very awesome discussion here, and we're thinking great thoughts, right? But and I think, oh, that's my thought, but it's also. A shared experience. I don't get to have this thought if there's no trees making oxygen. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I, I am, I am the grateful recipient of that great gift that makes it possible for my blood to be oxygenated, and for us to have this conversation. If I think I am totally separate from the rest of this world, if I think I am disconnected and I'm great all by myself, maybe I should just uh, hold my breath for a while, and then. And be reminded. Exactly. And and when we think of things that happen that are horrific, so getting back to the – if there was a horrific instance, it's easy to to create, well, that's just an other person. You know, that's a person who has this defect that does this. How do we look that we're even connected to that person who has made these decisions to do harmful things? And – and what does that mean in loving even the individual and knowing that there are challenges and, and horrors within that person's life that allowed them to make that choice? Thich Nhat Hanh, um, great teacher to me, though I've never met him, um, talks about how he, you know, he is not separate from the 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 girl who is raped he is not separate from the person who rapes the girl like we are all in this together mm-hmm. and that if we forget that other people suffer and if we think that i am the only one who suffers then suffering is going to pour out from me it's it's when we can make that connection to the other person and realize that i can be the a healing balm in your life, and I might need that too, that we meet each other in love. Mm-hmm. I, you, you talk in your book also about agape, um, a love that doesn't expect anything in return, and yet you argue a little bit for there should be some reciprocity. reciprocity. By being alone and just giving love out – in all can almost be disconnecting. There's so there's this thing that's happened in theology that where the philosophical ideas of God as omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, all the omnis, yeah. right, have sort of taken over. Um, even in Christian theology, have sort of in a way supplanted the biblical God, who. Uh, by by positing this God who's completely perfect in God's self, separate from everything else, and that the only direction of God's love is out, like God only. You know, so then, then you, and and we're to model that that right. we're supposed to just love and expect nothing in return, because that's 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 our linear path that we're supposed to take. Right, but boy, every love relationship I've ever had has had to have some give and some take. Mm-hmm. Like there's, uh, you know, uh, uh, th- there's this thing uh, that St. Bonaventure writes about when he's writing about the life of St. Francis and talks about the open hand. And the open hand is this, I think it's the the most apt and most beautiful image for what real love is. The open hand is uh, welcoming the hand of the other person to join, but it also allows that person to let go. Mm-hmm. The open hand is the hand. So that's that. You know, that's the solitude and solidarity. Yeah. We can grasp hands, and but my hand is open, and you can go be you too. But the open hand is the hand that gives, and the open hand is the hand that receives. Like it's. It, it's connected. <laughs> it is. It's. It's. It, uh, for me. So when I when I try and think, is what's happening here loving? 
I think, well, what's, what's the hand doing? Is the hand grasping? Is the, is the hand withholding? Is the hand uh, um, re- retaining someone, keeping, holding someone back? Mm-hmm. Those might not be love. So, so love can be something that you can check into from moment to moment. Are the decisions that we making, we're making allowing for a connection? And connection itself, can that be the love? Yes, and the, here's an important thing as the music begins. Uh-huh. God, I think, must be something like the love we're talking about. Maybe God can receive the joy and the sufferings of ordinary creatures into God's life. And we'll keep talking about God. We've got one more segment left of God. So stay with us here on AM 950, The Progressive Voice. Hi, I'm Damian Strange, Executive Director of Northeast Minneapolis Arts Association, NEMA. And I'm personally inviting you to Arter World, May 18th through the 20th. View artwork of over 650 artists in every medium at more than 50 locations throughout Northeast Minneapolis, including studio buildings, art galleries, homes, storefronts, and local businesses. The Artist Open Studio Tour may include demonstrations, mini workshops, installations, and special exhibitions. Studio tours offer a great opportunity to ask questions, discuss techniques, experience art firsthand, and purchase unique artwork directly from artists. Arter World gives you a unique opportunity to meet the artists who make our community so vibrant and invest in our art community by purchasing artwork that you connect with. For more information, go to nema.org. That's nema.org. Looking forward to seeing you at Arter World. Stages Theatre Company is dedicated to creating a space where diverse opinions, courageous dialogue, and community engagement is not only valued, but vital to our shared artistic and educational success. Stages Theatre Company creates a welcoming home for all. For over 30 years, Stages has supported quality theater programming for children. Stages gives opportunities for youth to be on stage, backstage, in the audience, and in the classroom. Whether you come to see a show, enroll a young person in a workshop, or benefit from their outreach programs in the community, Stages brings art to life. Learn about Stages Theater by going to stagestheater.org and become part of the magic of live theater by taking your family to an amazing show or enrolling someone you love in an education program. Stages Theater Company operates out of the Hopkins Center for the Arts, located in Main Street in the heart of downtown Hopkins. For more information on Stages Theater, go to stagestheater.org. That's stagestheater.org. The Spring St. Paul Art Crawl, presented by the St. Paul Art Collective, will be running April 27th, 28th, and 29th. This is a must-do experience that you will love. Over the weekend, you'll have the chance to explore a wide variety of art while touring through local artist studios, lofts, and galleries. Hosting over 350 artists, up for purchase will be paintings, photography, pottery, sculpture, fiber arts, and more. The Art Crawl sprawls over 34 locations. Join the Art Crawl and discover outstanding art for you to own. When you buy local art, you're providing to artists so that they may continue to create the art we love. The Metro Transit is supporting the local art community with free transit passes. Download your pass to ride buses and light rail for free during the Art Crawl. Be sure to get details at thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. That's thesaintpaulartcrawl.org. Connections and views of God, which I think is just really cool. We've got a great atheist show, and I think there's also room to explore other ideas about God as well. A comment that I sometimes have struggled with, and I hear it, but I think you're going to be able to help me better understand it, is the, it is what it is. And sometimes when I hear it is what it is, I don't know what to make of that. Tell me what how you look at it is what it is. So, boy, it's almost like the reason satire has power is that it is getting to the very heart and the truth of how something actually is in its reality. 
I almost ran out of air saying it, right? <laughs> it's, it's this, uh, there's, there's an idea that I draw on in this book um, from Buddhism uh, that usually gets talked about as suchness, how things really are. And I, I found that there's this beautiful connection between what satire is wanting us to do is to strip away all, this, all, all the illusions so that you're present to the reality of your existence. Because if you're open, if you're aware of what really is happening, then you can be present to it. You can be the, the person who helps. You can be, or you can be, you know, the person who is open to being helped. So you, you, you brought up something there with be and being, ah. uh, and the being or becoming. Yeah, you know, it sure seems like everything we know is literally not the same in even two consecutive moments. This is a very Buddhist thing to say. Mm -hmm. But not only Buddhist, I think, look around. Um, there's no such thing as same from moment to moment. And... And the becoming allows us to have more freedom. And there's this... Oh, so I, I, I almost even think becoming isn't enough. Mm -hmm. that, that becoming seems to imply that it's something... We're going someplace. Right. I'm, or I'm going someplace. So I always, uh, you know, probably too many times, add mutual to becoming. That mm -hmm. there's... That whatever becoming I'm experiencing is because everyone else is also. Everything else is also. I've got a quote from you. Okay. Engaging with perhaps the unfamiliar religions and philosophies is a chance to enlarge our humanity and in a humanity that is exactly the opposite of divine truthiness, which dehumanizes and stunts our potential by, you know, depleting the communion of the head and the heart. What I'm, what I'm always worried about is, you know, we talked about how good it feels to belong mm -hmm. earlier and to belong in the one true way. Uh, and that has, a lot, that has a lot of allure for a lot of folks, I think. But it has this, uh, this way of, by its, by its very construction of separating us out from everyone who isn't in. Right. And to me, that feels dehumanizing. That there, I have to realize that there are ways of thinking, ways of feeling, ways of expressing and being in the world and becoming new in the world that I haven't even begun to imagine. Mm -hmm. Right? And that, that, but it doesn't mean that they're not fully human ways. It just means that I haven't gotten there yet. And so in my, my attitude toward other religions and toward, uh, um, com I don't know, competing philosophies uh -huh. or how, however people, you know, set this up um, is that it helps, it helps all of us for all of us to enlarge our humanity by letting the other in. And having an empathy and understanding that there's ways that we can keep learning and discovering from each other. I've got another one here. Um, becoming bonds all creatures together. In fact, the connective power of becoming is the essence of Buddha's teaching that describes, um, is it Tahatha? Tathata. Tathata, Tathata of the universe. When this exists, that comes to be. When the arising of this that when the arising of this, when this does not exist, that does not come to be. So it, it gets a little confusing for me, but I, what I understand it is that as we are connected, we continue to complete each other with our uh, discovery. The, I, I think the, the, the greatest sort of discovery of the Buddha was this, it would sound so simple, we, and we say the words, but I do not know if we live them, that 
we are enmeshed in each other, that, there's, that I am what I am because you are what you are. There's no such thing as just me. Um, the, and and this, this, was the, this is what the Buddha's enlightenment was. It was the awakening to how everything interrelates, how everything interconnects. That, and that this is how power works in the world. It's through love. It is through the, the, the vast, unimaginable, mutual becoming that is happening in every direction with every creature all the time. Like, that's how power works. And when, as soon as it, 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 somebody tries to uh, use an enforcing power, this has the effect of of destruction uh, you know it might so enforcement is one of the kinds of divine truthiness that this book is sort of railing against and pleading against that power doesn't have to be the kind that that makes other people do your will in fact like it seems like that's the, the least loving thing you can do is to enforce yourself on someone else. Well, why would we elevate that kind of enforcement theology to the point of it being God? Mm -hmm. It seems like we're, we, we have this terrible tendency to lift up things like revenge and things like uh, anger and, 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 and enforcement. And and, and deify them, turn them into God. And I, I think that it's, it's, it's a bit dangerous. And with that, I want to encourage folks to read your book, oh. Divine Truthiness. Now, to get to, um, you can go to divinetruthiness.com. Uh, get the book. Give it a read. Let's have conversation about God, about love, about interrelatedness. Uh, I think that that is important for the liberal and progressive point of view. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I had so much fun. I did too. It's <laughs> great to have you here. Great to be thinking uh, in new ways. And again, it's the end of divine truthiness, love, power, and God. And that's written by Dr. Paul Joseph Green. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad you're here to talk about God. My pleasure. Thank you.